And I'm going to tell you about the whole credit card thing. Oh, the Sao Paulo. Oh, the credit card. I thought you said you were in Sao Paulo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Right, fuck. Sorry, I'm a little slow right now. I need some It's alright. Well, welcome to a broken English podcast. <laughs> fuck me. Is that what the name of the podcast is? I... you got to refresh my memory here. Yeah, well, you've only done one or two thus far. <laughs> anyway. You are listening to none other than Hugo and Bola, and we are about to just get into a few film-related things. When you go on vacation, you lose your memory. Well, what did you do on vacation that caused that? Mm. Right, enough said. Moving on. <laughs> so, That's what I say, you lose your memory. <laughs> in the last podcast, I briefly mentioned the Watchmen TV show, and what I didn't continue on from there was... A particular subject very very dear to my heart something I adore and Bola and I were talking about this briefly earlier film and television scores and how amazing they are mm -hmm. now a lot of you that are listening are probably of an age where you don't necessarily have too much familiarity with CDs and tapes and all these other things so let's just keep this on a completely purely digital level Spotify is a great resource and I'm I'm sure Apple Music is and Pandora and YouTube Music all of these other different platforms yeah. for coming up with playlists and then having up having algorithms suggest further stuff now for the Watchmen TV show the way I first was really reminded about it was my Spotify Discover Weekly because I follow some score composers oh yeah it put in a song from uh, the Watchmen soundtrack the score's soundtrack. The score? or The, or the, the score of it. The, the score. By Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And I don't know if you've heard any of their compositions. I've, I've listened to the score of Watchmen. I remember I remember listening the, the to it. The TV show? The new one? No, the, the, the movie. No, no, I mean the TV show. Oh, the TV show. No, okay. So I've never... No. So, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, if you... You know who Trent Reznor is, right? Nine Inch Nails... I know Nine Inch Nails, but to be honest with that you... That is Trent Reznor. Oh, okay. Same guy, Same just... Guy. Uh, I thought it was a group. Now, they, they always say that. It's basically him, it's basically and he him. had other people performing with him a couple of times. Right. One of my favorite songs is one of those Nine Inch Nails. Was it... Uh, uh, Jesus Christ. It was the one that appeared on 300, the 300 trailer. I don't remember. Okay, whatever. I'll, I'll remember it later on. But nevertheless... Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, uh, they've done the social network. I think they've done a bunch of David Fincher things as well. Well, other things as well. And the score that they have for The Watchmen, just a couple of songs. Yeah. Wow. Like, I'm driving in my car, this song comes on, and it's just one of these enveloping, really amazing pieces that it just presents a cinematic feel it presents this can develop imagery and so i sometimes use some of these songs when i haven't seen the material right to evoke feelings in myself when i'm writing right but it spurred me to then put on the watchman and see the show itself and see how it works with it and yeah again if you have the opportunity to watch the watchman tv show with the always amazing regina king I, I strongly advise it. But no, Bolo and I were talking about earlier these film scores and score soundtracks. And who were you referring to as a big one for you? Well, I, I, the big one for me, I mean, there's a couple of composers. But the one you were watching earlier. The one I was watching earlier. Yeah, Rob Summon. Oh, Rob Dugan. So Rob Dugan, he's done 
if you watch the matrix you you hear you the matrix trilogy his music is all throughout it even in the trailers right so he had one major studio album that came out around that time that had a lot of those music in it and it was called furious angels um it's one of my favorite albums uh but he hasn't done he's but uh, since then he hasn't he hadn't released that many songs or albums probably no i think yeah he didn't release anything until recently again so now he's kind of just back and he's released a new album but he's just one of my he's just really i really like his sound because it's this big cinematic mm-hmm. epic feeling right and it's just kind of uses a lot of like um i don't know how to do i'm not i don't have the vocabulary for music sometimes but what i wanted to talk about was like some sometimes like you i find myself when it comes to film soundtracks it's one of those things where sometimes i i I would watch a film and I enjoyed the soundtrack more than I enjoyed the film. Right. <laughs> or, or the soundtrack seemed bigger than the actual film itself. Well, I mean, you just look at some of these soundtracks from these schools. Um, for example, do you know Max Richter? Yeah. Max Richter is... I made a little visualization to that. The sound... Um, what was it? The, the one... Um, uh, the Nature of Daylight. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, him on The Leftovers. As I say, we were talking about, I've been referencing The Watchmen. The Leftovers was done by Damon Lindelof. Lindelof. uh, Or is it Lindelof? Anyway, (laughs) it was done by him and it featured a Max Richter soundtrack. Yeah. Score, sorry. And my God. Another one that is just superb um, is the late Johan Johansson, who did things like Arrival... Um, the theory of everything. You just listen to the pieces that he did, and Sicario. Yeah, this man was amazing. No, I don't think. <coughs> I don't think we could talk about film soundtracks unless we talk about like somebody like Hans Zimmer. Like you've heard, I think you've heard. Everybody has heard, has had to have heard one of his piece one of his uh soundtracks if they watch movies right because he's in a lot his uh his score is in a he scores he has scored a lot of movies right a lot of classics like the dark knight we were just talking about like oh, that that's hans zimmer that was hans zimmer he think he did you know he did all of them basically all of those batman movies and he frequently works with uh nolan believe that they did he also did interest now one of those films that i was talking about like where i felt like the soundtrack was bigger than the actual movie interstellar because it, that soundtrack was it's so haunting and it's perfect like it just it it's for me as a filmmaker music is so important oh yeah it's so important to the film it's just that it's a, it's a certain dimension that's needed and it's 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 so vitally important because there's some films where I was like, hmm, if that soundtrack wasn't there, how much of that film would have been? How much would of this film would have been memorable? Like let's look, like, like let's look back for example, like John Williams, right, and his collaborations with Steven Spielberg and and uh, uh, George Lucas. I mean, how popular was Star Wars would be without the theme for the Star Wars theme or the Darth Vader's theme? I mean, like those classics or the Superman films and the superman theme like he did all of those films right and those films or indiana jones and the indiana jones theme right like these are classic movies and we all we all recognize we all remember those those themes and that that soundtrack to those movies and that's like a big part of those movies well yeah and i i think that's something that 
is often undervalued and, and it's where the material either meets um, requirements of being elevated by the music or it stands well enough by itself or, or what the marriage exactly is. It's a, it's a, it's like a, it's you a, have some things whereby if you had a score or if you had a soundtrack kick in, it would ruin it. It's Again, it's a delicate combination between the two. I remember when I was watching The Sopranos, and again, The Sopranos had some amazing stuff. Yeah. It had some great songs uh, interwoven through different scenes and the rest of it, but round about season four, there's a monumentally superb argument between Tony and Carmela. I really... It, it's the sort of... The beginning of the end, the divorce is sort of going to kick in. Massive fight. Yeah. Now, if that had had a song beneath it, if that had had the score <laughs> delicately playing around it, would have failed. Wouldn't have worked. Wouldn't have actually carried the weight that it did. However, if you have other scenes where you have maybe a sense of... Uh, the right sense of dread. Or the right build-up in... A vehicle arriving at a particular location or whatever it happens to be the right music elevates that and as you say in the case of something like a star wars yeah it envelops and creates the world that it's that, big but it's a big part that theme music that begins every star wars film yeah is <laughs> the it encapsulates everything to do with it yeah it just makes me wonder like you know how much how can, how much value the did does that add to it Oh, a huge amount. Right. It's a, it turns what would be just moving pictures into something so much more. Yeah. It envelops you. The right score, the right soundtrack has you there, bar none. It's one of those, it's, it's definitely one of those things that, for me, it's huge because... I'm that kind. Of, I'm that guy who has all these who's had all these film soundtracks sitting on his hard drive, right? <laughs> because it's like I watch the film and I'm like, man, what's that piece playing right now? I want to, I want to listen to that again. Right. Yeah, and I just want to go over, and then I'll use that. Well, yeah, for like a writing session or something like that. Well, because it channels something in you. I, I can't stress enough how much of an influence music has on my life and makes me re. It, it just it brings such meaning and depth that's indescribable to any situation it helps accentuate emotions yeah it helps change perspectives you know it, it changes your mood completely depending on the song you're listening to yeah yeah definitely right it's that's it's i think it's like that perfect marriage where you the uh, video and uh, film and music right it's just like this is this synergy that just works and as a filmmaker it like I was saying before, it's one of the most important things for me. Right. Um, it's it, it's just that dimension that's just that that it's that's just high up there on the importance list. You know, and I'm just trying. I'm going through my mind here too because I've, there's so many memorable music. There's so many memorable film soundtracks. I I'm wondering how much people appreciate it because it's like there's so much richness there that I'm not sure if outside of a filmmaker how many people are actually listening to it yeah i mean what i when i was referencing apple music and spotify and platforms along those lines the reason i was doing that is the majority of these soundtracks do tend to be available yeah and i it's it's hard because 
saying soundtrack versus saying score, it, it blurs the lines a bit. Score typically, of course, is an orchestral or yeah. music only piece. It's music made for the movie. Right. And with that, um, if you start following these different artists on these different platforms and you do listen to their material, then you will get more suggestions and such. I used to be someone that would buy a movie score or a movie soundtrack. I remember back in the 90s, it was a big thing for hip hop, whereby they would have an original album soundtrack, which would be just the film would be littered with different songs, which were originally only made yeah. to go towards Oh, that. only made for the, the movie. Yeah. So that was a big thing in the 90s. I'm not sure if that's really as prevalent today as it was then. I think it's still there, but I don't know how prevalent... Because I remember, like, remember the Bad Boys? Bad Boys had, like, well, had more, well, had the soundtrack. Right? Yeah. But I don't and that, that was propelled, that, I'm sure that propelled a lot of success towards um, how well the film did. Because in those particular ones. I, I, had, I had that album. <laughs> I, I forget which one it was. What was her name? What was the girl that did Shy Guy? Oh, was that, wasn't Tony Braxton, was it? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so she did. Uh, this particular song and throughout the video and it was very typical throughout that time period I just wanna shy guy. yeah that's the one <laughs> yeah. um, throughout that time period it would be very normal to have essentially five minute long music video trailers because you'd have and I maybe I'm misremembering this or maybe I'm not so yeah with the uh, the shy guy video as I was saying it kind of felt like an extended promotion of the film yeah so it furthered it in that way. Yeah. Um, but I don't really... I guess maybe I'm not as locked into it, but now you tend to have much more of an immersive... If there is a song that's on a soundtrack, then you get the singers sort of taking place in the exact same environment. It doesn't seem as much of a trailer-esque piece. As the music videos? Yeah. I think that's always been the case, no? Well, in in reference to like the Diane King and other stuff in the 90s, when you'd have a music video from an original song on a soundtrack, you would have kind of the performer, but then you'd have different scenes from the actual film being spliced in. Yeah. Amazing yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, crossover. yeah. Like that. Like yeah. You just have like intercut into the music video, the, the scenes from the movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, they still do that, no? I well, maybe none. I, I haven't not. really seen that as much. Yeah, actually, you're right. I don't think I've seen that much either. Like Maybe it's just changed. I, I I don't know. I mean, I liked it a lot. Um, um what well, used to remember what well, used to be bigger. I mean, you still have it then now, but remember you would actually have um, songs that. I mean, you still have it, I guess. Original songs for the movie, right? Right. Like remember when? Uh, I know it's just your favorite one of your favorite movies, Titanic, and uh, Celine Dion. Uh, <laughs> Can't get enough. Can't get enough. You know that. <laughs> My heart will. It was in my heart will always go out, and that came out, and you were just playing that on repeat over and over again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Of course, Bola <laughs> sounds like me. But that made the movie. Like you, you can't. You don't. You can't. You couldn't. You couldn't turn you on the what? TV or the radio, I mean, or the radio without hearing that song. In, you mean it made the movie in terms of marketing proposal? Yeah, yeah, Mar- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, it's just synonymous, right? When definitely. you when you think of that movie, you remember that song. Right? Well, I mean, for example, I'm not really. Um, I think I only saw the first one, but I'm not too familiar with the Fast and Furious franchise per se. <laughs> I However, I tapped out. I don't know if it was seven or eight. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. That I can't believe that even made any sense. But anyway, 
But anyway, anyway, we'll get serious for a second. So in either seven or eight, there was a Wiz Khalifa, oh, yeah. Charlie Puth, um, I think it's Puth, collaboration, which ended up being such a smash hit in terms of a song. Because yeah. also Paul Walker at the same time had recently died. Yeah. And I think it was sort of uh, almost... Like a, a puffy, I'll be missing you, or a sting, I'll be missing you. Yeah, yeah, it was like that. And it was kind of a dedication thing. So while that song ended up gaining more and more traction and more and more success, it also promoted the film further and further and further. Yeah. To which point both rose and rose and rose. And these things do work hand in hand. Yeah, they do. But yeah. what I loved about like the 90s stuff, there were so many original rap songs that came out only on soundtracks. Um, high School High, uh, there was oh. a America is Dying Slowly, and you know, these would be original. What was the one? There was a collaboration between Onyx and the Wu Tang Clan on one of them, but anyway, there would be just so much good material yeah. that wasn't an album song, it was solely based towards that. Yeah, it's just for the movie. Yeah, I, rem- I do remember those ones. And that happens now, but just it doesn't feel like it's often. No, it doesn't. Um, it's, it's just changed. Because I remember there was, like I said, I, there was always that. I, I remember growing up in the 90s, and there was always that, that synergy that you always saw with like musicians and the music and movies, right? And then you'd have these like pieces. Mm. Like there's another one with I remember is like remember Robin Hood and then that Bright Amps. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah, were. Just, yeah. I like I'm thinking. Yeah, I guess they 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 like, so much they so still... that so much so that when they put out the VHS, they had to have the song at the end of it, <laughs> yeah. the music video at the end of it. Yeah, I guess it still happens, but maybe just not as frequent as big as like remember Frozen came out and that song, you you hear that everywhere. Oh, I hated that. I didn't even watch the movie, but I just like I've heard the song everywhere. It was a Let It Go. That was the one. Yeah, yeah. Hey, the kids love it. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> Somebody loved it. But um, I, I just love that synergy, and I hope that never goes away. Because, like, some of the greatest music... Oh, my God. One of the things I love... Like, do you, do you know Ennio Morricone? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. When I used to smoke weed, <laughs> that was one of my favorite hobbies. Putting on my headphones, packing a bowl, and listening to some old classic Ennio Morricone Mori- uh, yeah, so, yeah. so it's Morricone, right? I think it's Ennio Morricone. More, Morricone. Maybe, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's a guess. Ennio Morricone soundtracks, especially from like the spaghetti western days, right? So me and a friend, uh, or a friend and I, we wrote an entire screenplay off of, um, <laughs> I forget which, it? it was one of the Clint Eastwood films he scored. So one of the, like the, 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 the man with no name? Or is it the Dollars trilogy, was it? I'm not sure which one it few, was. For a few dollars. Um, uh, but anyway, the yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the Dollars trilogy. Um, but we just had that on repeat the whole time as we were writing, just, just to develop the mood. I've, I've written whole things on like listening to the ecstasy of gold, like that. If there's nothing, anything more haunting than that, like if you don't know what I'm talking about, gold right now, please. Play, well, once pause you finish it. the podcast, pa- pause, pause it, it. pause it. And listen to what listen to these to these tracks. You'll never forget them. But but there's some other ones we have to recommend. Like we have to. If you don't know Jeff Russo, Jeff Russo has done the Night of. He did some of the Fargo stuff. This man's music is superb. Right. You have to be familiar with Jeff Russo. Not just Jeff Russo, 
Gustavo uh, Santolaya, I think that's his name. Gustavo. I've got to get his name right because he is one of my all-time favourites. And of course, with him being one of my all-time favourites, I don't remember his name. Um, I mean, I don't remember how to pronounce it properly, but he's done like Amores Peros. I think he's done a lot of stuff to do with uh, Alejandro Iñárritu. So, the, I mean, those movies were great soundtracks, and this there was also just great movies that have like really haunting themes. Like we all know the Terminator theme, right? That one you could you could just never get enough of because that that theme is the movie right there. Um, so I'm trying to think of another one here. Um, maybe I'll just focus on just like the my favorite composers because there's some that you just they every time they bring something or they've just they just have a lot of memorable mm-hmm. memorable stuff. That's why I mentioned Hans Zimmer. Another one I I don't know if you you don't hear a lot of them from him is Harry Gregson Williams. Okay, what did uh, he did a lot of like oh, he did a lot of movies with Tony Scott. Like he did Spy Game. Okay, but also I remember him most. And if anybody and if you have any Metal Gear fans listening, you'll know who I'm talking about. Right, because he did the soundtrack for all the Metal Gear movies, nice. games, games, yeah, yeah. And those ones are really. I mean, if you hear, if any Metal Gear fan knows what I'm talking, listening, is listening, they'll know what I'm talking about because they'll remember the Metal Gear theme and they'll remember a whole bunch of other stuff too, but especially the Metal Gear theme. But he did films and and this game, which was kind of interesting because, yeah, it was one of those collaborations where this game is cinematic. And well, it, have you ever played The Last of Us? No. Do you know of it? Uh, no. It is... Again, a cinematic game. Right, The Last of Us. Who's it? What studio is that by? Or what developer? I think it's Pop- Sony and Naughty Dog. No, okay. But, sorry to interject there, but Gustavo Santa... Santaolalia? <laughs> you know what? I, I, absolutely, I, I get where your heart is. <laughs> I, I love Spanish. I do. I, I sincerely love Spanish. But I have to double check this. So please excuse me while I check my phone to find out his exact name. Because uh, he's amazing. Anyway, Gustavo Santaolalla is the guy behind the soundtrack on The Last of Us, and the Amores Perez film, and a bunch of other great things. And the mood he creates on this game is superb. Because it's one of these games whereby the gameplay's there, but the cutscenes are lengthy. Right. And the cutscenes are really great. Sounds like Metal Gear. (laughs) Well, yeah, Metal Gear is the epitome of that. But The Last of Us 2 has really long cutscenes. Right. Really nice CGI. And he does the music on it. And it's some beautiful Spanish strumming. Well, Mexican Spanish right. strumming. Um, and just the mood he creates in every scene uh, he provides music for is priceless. I, it is. Okay, well, you liked what you were seeing. Okay, you liked the story. And now we're sucking you in completely because this music is irresistible. Right. Um, another great another great one. Um, there was... Mike, let's just say my top one would be Hans Zimmer, Harry Gregson Williams. Um, where's another one? Oh, well, you know what? I'll just talk about movie. Have you ever seen Equilibrium? I'm not sure I have. No, is it, you're familiar with it? Christian no. Bale? It's one of those underrated movies that that, uh, that I wanted to talk about later in the future date because it's, it's a dystopian movie. 
Okay. And it's it's basically, you know, you you're quint, it's a quintessential dystopian movie. It's in the future where um, um, emotions are pretty much illegal and then the whole the whole society is fed this drug called prosium and it suppresses your emotions, right? It's a Christian Bale movie, action, and it's got this dystopian theme to it, right? And it has a soundtrack that, and, oh yeah, Sean Bean's in it. And it has a soundtrack to me that's just like, it's perfect for this movie. And it's one of those movies, I think is because it came out almost around the same time The Matrix came out. It just got, it just wasn't, it just never made it into the radar. It just kind of got there and it became like a kind of like pretty much a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's got this soundtrack that, that one of the parts, things I remember most about it is it's the soundtrack or the score. It's, it's just perfect. It's, it makes you feel like you're in this dystopian world and, the, and it has these great moments in, 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 the, in the sound, in the score that just works so well with the scenes. Um, and then, no, oh, there's always this constant haunting overture that plays, right? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That Now, that being said, that brings me to, um, 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 what's that one called? Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, this is great podcast. <laughs> the memory. You know, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about, that movie, you know. You might want to give me a little bit more. <laughs> An actor, Marlon Wayne was in it. Uh, what's his Requiem for a Dream? Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, yeah. Because as soon as you say, as soon as you were talking about soundtrack and that, yeah, Marlon yeah. Wayne's. <laughs> we're not talking about Don't Be a Menace to Society. Or White Chicks. Yeah, uh, Requiem for a Dream has a great melody that plays over and over on it, right? And it just oh, finishes the film with that melody. The Requiem soundtrack. Yeah. It, Again, it's one of those that you just, you have to listen to. This is like another one of those. Pause this video and listen to it. Requiem for it's a It's not a video, Bola. <laughs> Watching, pause it. It's not a video. <laughs> we'll, we'll provide you, Broken English Films will provide you with plenty of video material. But, this is audio. You are thinking though, I think, of... Who's the group that did this? That did what? I'm trying to find the Requiem uh, soundtrack. It's, it's done by Clint... The Clint soundtrack Mansell. Of the, Clint yeah, Mansell, right? The score, right? Yeah, Clint yeah. Mansell and Kronos... And the Kronos, and the Kronos Quartet. Quartet, right. Yeah, that was superb. The, oh, yeah, yeah. Since I don't want to play it and get copyright notice, I'll just whistle the theme. So, another person... Yeah, we get it. <laughs> Another person you have to check out if you don't know is Alberto Iglesias, who did uh, Julieta and Abeconea and a bunch of our Modavar stuff. Yeah, you got to check out his work. Amazing. Utterly amazing. A score, the right score makes the movie. It, it, could, it, it, take a, it could just take a great film and make it like just memorable. Just like that memorable. I mean... It, uh, there's a, there's there's a lot of I mean there's definitely a lot of a lot it's to me I also what I want to talk about is how it's used right I was just used to make a film mm-hmm. like I remember first watching the the first Batman the first Tim Burton Batman 
and it just begins with the bat that theme song right i mean this is like how you do it Mm -hmm. you start the film on that tone right right and then you just have people right there and then it's a tone that you remember right and it plays throughout the film but that's how you do it you just I, be, I believe that's how the film begins with that with that theme and then the the, the big the, the beginning uh, sequence. Was it the oh, opening? I haven't then? seen it in so long. But it's either starts right like that, or that's just it's that's how the film eventually starts. Right? It's just that haunting, and that was with uh, what's his name who did that that theme? Um, um, uh, Danny Elfman. Oh, he's yeah, another, Danny Elfman he's and, and Tim Burton. Those, those are collaborations right there, right? Those are those director uh, um, 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 one of those collaborations with the director and the uh, and the jeez uh, I'm losing my memory <laughs> I'd say uh, you know the the score supervisor not the score supervisor but the the, the composer composer. Or composer or something like that right that word works the, well. <laughs> those frequent collaborations like John Williams and Steven Spielberg and then there's Danny Elfman and and um, 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 Danny Elfman and and Tim Burton, Nolan and Hans Zimmer. Um, I'm probably missing a whole bunch of other ones, but you know it's those collaborations because they they those two people they know they work together, mm-hmm. right? It's a great synergy. Yeah, utterly superb stuff. But it's just like when it's used properly, when these when music is used properly, it just leaves a it, it from a filmmaking point of view. It's where you see the art being used properly. Now, to contrast with that, do you, or can you think of many times whereby you've seen the reverse, as in it not being used properly? Because, to be perfectly frank, I cannot think of too many times I've heard, I've heard a song with the image, and it hasn't done something. Like, what Mm. I mean by that is, there is the perfect choice, Yeah, but sometimes even any choice adds a different depth to the scene. Yeah, it's it's pretty rare for me to go, oh my God, that was the, the worst choice of music. Right. <laughs> or that shouldn't, or there shouldn't have been I music. Have found, I have found examples where I found it to be intrusive. Yeah, there's been, there's been cases of that, but it's just for rarely for me that I've just rarely ever seen it where, I think the only exception could have been uh, Interstellar. But I don't think I noticed it. There are just people who complained about it. But right. maybe in retrospect, I do remember it, where people felt like there were some parts where the the, the music went over the uh, was louder than the dialogue, and it was here hard to hear the dialogue. Mm. I didn't personally notice that, but now retrospective, I do remember the, maybe a tiny bit like that. But I never personally felt like it was too much. Do you think that was a choice then? But that's what Nolan's said that they think he was they said that was a choice but i don't know because there's always a timeline that i've encountered i'm sure you have too many experiences whereby uh the audio track of the dialogue has gone down and down and down because the particular filmmaker said yeah it doesn't matter he's talking about what color socks he's wearing that day it's an irrelevant point of dialogue and then i'll have someone with me going what did he say what did she say well it wasn't necessarily intended maybe it was just they were trying to capture the mood with right. said score piece or maybe there's there's a loud sound or something. Could be. I don't. I'm, that's pretty rare for me, to be honest with you. To go well, what? Because if I miss a piece of dialogue, it might have been just because I wasn't paying attention. Right. It's mostly like that. I do know what you mean. Yeah. The maybe it, you just didn't catch what that person said because 
A, there could have been, the music could have been really loud. Or mm. I think B, most of the time, from what I noticed, it's just like there was just, it's a combination of a loud sound and the person not speaking that loud enough. Right. So kind of you missed that. You, or did or that part wasn't as in that, uh, was inelegible, as they say. I don't know. But I don't think I've ever heard like where a piece of music didn't seem to work. Or maybe it just seemed odd to me, but I don't say it didn't work. Yeah, I, I more often than not, you find that it does enhance it. But with the particular artists that we've just cited, it does more than just enhance it slightly. It creates the mood audibly that you are immersed in whatever you're watching. Yeah. And that's what's important. Because if you have something which is far too soppy for a sad scene then it's going to feel forced. If you have something that's far too shrill for a scary scene, then it's going to feel forced. And it's the the balancing act of having it just heart-wrenching enough for you to not feel forced to feel sad hmm. and just scary or ominous enough for you not to feel like I'm behind you shoving you into this. <laughs> right. And it is a fine it, line. It is a, I, it's a fine line. But when it's done right, it's done. It's, it's just... It's enigmatic. It's, it's just it's so superb. memorable. I mean, uh, maybe a lot of people don't have, didn't pay attention to the Dark Knight sound, uh, score. Right. But that was another, for me, even the first Batman one, they both... I mean, I think all those movies had interesting scores to them. But the first two, for me, were the ones that stood out the most. Mm-hmm. Uh especially the dark knight because it just had a lot of things that worked in his Hans Zimmer and it just uh like the remembered like for me what was so great about the ending was the music for the dark knight that ending theme mm-hmm. and how it just syncs up with right. you know with the cut and goes to black and you know you see the titles and then it bent 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 din, din. yeah perfect right it, and, it wouldn't have. I don't think it would have been that great. That wouldn't have been that great without that piece of end score right there. Completely, and especially when the drums. Was it the drums? Like remember, Commissioner Gordon's giving the speech about you know he's the hero we deserve. Yeah, but and then do, some people still may not have seen it. If you haven't seen the Dark Knight, no, yet, no, then no, you no, no, go, no, 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 you, you we, got problems. We might have someone. <laughs> That's listening to I this. I think the statue. That we might have someone that's listening to this that's 11 when, or 12. When did that right? come out? They may be 11 or 12. Well, that's. So, sorry, sorry, kiddo. <laughs> hey, what? Well, I felt like I gave away that much, but. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! You do realize doing that after the fact. Anyway. <laughs> But no, I agree. I completely agree. The right music will make different parts. And what also is exceptional are titles, are introductions. There is the music behind those that can just drag you in. Like, for example, Bond films. Bond films, my God. I think one of the staples about watching a Bond film is wanting to listen to the Bond theme. Yeah, and it's the beginning. Watching no, it. the theme, the theme song, not the James Bond overture, but the actual... Do they call it just the Bond theme or? The, uh, the, I the, guess. I mean, each film tends to have its own signature. Yeah, every have, every one of those films has its own song, and that's what makes that that yeah. whole series fantastic because it's just immersion, and that the introduction animations or titles particularly standing out in like the Bond film, but you've also got other ones like, for example, the girl with the dragon tattoo, the right. the American Fincher version. 
um, where you watch the titles and you're just soaked in in a manner whereby solely text would not have been enough. Yeah, yeah. It my, wouldn't have done the same thing. My favorite Bond themes were is um, I have two, <laughs> Goldeneye, and um, what was the other one with Chris Cornell? That was that was that that wasn't Casino Royale. That was uh, I think it was like the first Daniel Craig one. Uh, Casino Royale, I thought, was the first, is this the first Daniel one? Craig one. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because th- that was like 2006. Yeah, th- well, yeah, sorry. It was Casino Royale. Casino Royale theme. I, that was the one, I believe, with Chris Cornell. Do you know my name? Yeah, it was. You know, I thought it was Chris. Yeah, Chris Cornell and David Arnold. That's, those two were my favorite. I don't know which one would be. Moonraker? <laughs> but you know it's it's one of those series where if there is such a thing as a formula they've come up with yeah the they got the, they've got the they've bond got, for they've got the character regardless of what he looks like we know james bond and we know what we need to hear minimum amounts of times during the film there will be no better james bond than pierce brosman you reckon Pierce Brosnan is the best one? I was watching GoldenEye a couple of days ago, a clip of it, and I was like, yeah, that was it. Have you gone back to Sean Connery yet? Who? Sean Connery. <laughs> Never heard of him. Yeah. Sean Connery is the best Bond. Some Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan. Sorry, Brosnan. Yeah, that's, that's why he can't be. Um, Sean Connery. Sean Connery? Sean Connery. Sean Connery, without a doubt my favorite bond uh, some people like daniel mm. craig i'm not some people are into rogers Moore. yeah roger Moore, but sean connery pierce brosnan was good but nah Come on, he was perfect he wasn't perfect wasn't perfect no offense mr brosnan <laughs> um but no the music that you have the fact that you have a signature song for each one on a bond film yeah that introduction which is always like lovely it's kind of like a psych- lady kind of like a psychedelic trip or something yeah and you've got like whichever bond actor is walking around and it's his silhouette with the signature suit walking through <laughs> this and then there'll be an occasional thing where we'll pull out the pistol and it'll shoot, just be some then, trip like i said this, it's yeah. like somebody's doing dmt <laughs> it's somebody somebody's done like some sort of mushroom or something and they're about to go save the world from a have you seen the girl with the dragon tattoo the david fincher one no oh missed i missed those ones the Swedish ones were great. The Fincher one was severely underrated. Yeah. That starred Daniel Craig as well. Yeah. And Rooney Mara played uh, the lead. No, I've missed those ones, unfortunately. But the reason I bring it up is the introductory piece. It's kind of like... I believe, again, it was a Trent Reznor song. I'm just going to verify that. But it was the visuals on the way it started will just knock you out. Another one that, that stood out for me was 300. I don't remember three hundred. Um, it just had a it just had a soundtrack or a score to it that was just that really just drove it home. I thought. Um, there was some, and there was some pieces in there too that were like, wow, yeah. Um, there was one called "Return of a King," right? And it's it was and it plays in a, it plays in a. I think Actually, it's I, the, I near do, the beginning. I do think I have that soundtrack. Um, in one, I have a song from it in one of my playlists. Yeah. Because I remember it being a great song. Oh, what was it? Another recently. Oh, you some class. Tyler Bates. That Tyler thing. Bates. Yes. Yeah. Tyler Bates. And that. And that. 
that whole soundtrack there. Yeah. Now, what was a? I think what was recently one of the most underrated soundtracks recently and movies was a uh, uh, Tron. Oh yeah, and I that mean, one, Daft Punk did a good that, job. That was done by Daft Punk, and I was like, this was a perfect. This was a perfect. This was a perfect collaboration right there. Daft Punk doing that album, that'd be the, doing the whole soundtrack and I the score. They were meant to do a trilogy, weren't they? I guess they were, but. But that's been several years now, so maybe that. Well, I don't know. I Disney think Plus there's going to be a. Isn't there a sequel in the works? No. At the time when I they were doing, because because again, Tron was done here, and I know some, I know a few people that were in a lot of it, um, but uh, I know that at the time they were talking about doing it as a trilogy. Yeah, it's just I don't think the box office was that huge that they. Because I think they were expecting it to be bigger, right? Right. And I don't think the movie did as big as they expected, so that whole talk about the trilogy was probably just cut back. The original Tron has a very special place in my heart because my grandmother, um, I don't know if it was in association with my parents or not, but she got me the, the video of it. Yeah. So when I had the video of it, it just, it, I, I didn't really have many or any movies at that time on VHS. Right. And so she got me that, and yeah, just, I remember it fondly. Um, Robocop that's another one Robocop cool <laughs> do you remember that one not really I oh mean I, I, I know the bit did you ever watch it I watched it but oh you know God. I've seen so many films I don't <laughs> I've seen so many <laughs> but, just not know, Robocop over and over again I, no not over and over no definitely not <laughs> well that's where music works music works really really well in that too right there's 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 like a scene like, like the scene where Robocop is being now if anybody hasn't seen it yet I mean, if you haven't seen the original RoboCop yet, I'm sorry, this is a spoiler alert coming up. Okay. If you've wait, lived wait, in a freaking wait, 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 wait. Here's the thing. Here's what we'll do. If we are, which we should never do, going to give anything that will ruin someone's experience, we give a spoiler alert, and then we're going to give you two seconds of silence, and then we're going to spoil it. So if you want to miss this, skip. If you haven't seen a movie from the night, was it 1987? Oh, come on. 1989, come yeah. on. The amount of stuff out now, you don't have time. A classic? To watch. You don't have time to watch everything. A film classic? You don't have time to watch it. Anyway. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Now, <laughs> there was this, there's a scene in Robocop where he's getting shot up by all the cops, right? And it's almost like he's dying, right? And then, you know, the, and then the music plays and it's just perfect for that moment, right? That's another part. That's another... That's another good use of you know having the right music at the right scene to evoke the right emotion end of spoiler see spoilers done and that was that simple filthy animal <laughs> um but yeah no i i can't neither of us can stress enough how great some of these movie soundtracks are um i also didn't tell you one of my first tapes that i bought was the Jurassic Park soundtrack. <laughs> the Jurassic the Park. The first one. The tape. The dun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was on tape. That's how much I love this stuff. I bought the bloody the tape. tape. The tape. Yeah. Well, that, there wasn't CDs around. When I was a little boy. Um, yeah, was... I think CDs were emerging yeah, around. It wasn't... They weren't quite what yeah. they became. It wasn't it wasn't like ubiquitous yeah but that's they were just coming out that soundtrack like i only i just remember the theme song uh i don't remember the other score i don't remember the other like p 
pieces to it. Well, that's why you have to get the tape. Yeah, I gotta get the tape. Or you could maybe stream it online, I'm yeah, guessing. I'll we'll find it on eBay somewhere. <laughs> I'll find it on eBay. Be harder to play the tape. The now. Jurassic. Uh, and I'll have to go find another, uh, find a tape player on eBay too. <laughs> I'm sure it'd be on Spotify or something. I'm sure it's somewhere in there. No, what was the theme of it? Are we talking Jurassic Park? Jurassic Park. It was... I know it's somewhere... It's just not coming to my memory. It's not coming And then they paced it more slowly afterwards, depending on... Yeah, there you go, there you go. Yeah, there it goes. I had to find out. I haven't gotten that far in the song. We were just beginning the song. Classic. By the way, Bola and I have no training in uh, singing or... Speak for yourself. Okay, well, I was giving you an excuse. I have a lot, <laughs> I have a lot of uh, uh, shower shower uh, experience with singing. So Then I think maybe out. you need to shower a lot more often. <laughs> <laughs> just just get the... I mean, the practice... Are you trying to say to I stink? The, no, I'm trying to say you need to... <laughs> You need to improve the singing I was giving you. Is this saying my, my singing stinks or I stink? I'm not going to determine either one. <laughs> but, nevertheless, Jurassic Park soundtrack. The Jurassic Park soundtrack. <laughs> um, um, I know I'm missing... There's, there's just like too many of these things to even talk about because there's so many pieces that I remember that I even still have on my hard soundtrack. It's not not soundtrack, but my hard drive these days. Um, ah... Mm. It's just something music can do that words can't. <laughs> something that music can't do that words can't. There's, there's something music can do that words can't, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, look, I've told this to you before. There's a book by Oliver, Oliver Sacks called Musicophilia. Oh, yes. Which, if those listening haven't heard of, uh, you should definitely buy it. It's an interesting book. And what it basically talks about is how music impacts us and our minds. Uh, Oliver Sacks was a neuroscientist, and what what he was saying, what he sort of says to kick it off, is he talks about the fact that music exists in every culture, and it exists to different ways. But cultures that don't know one another still have music. Yeah. So as we've evolved separately, somehow this. It's just written in the bones. Yeah, but the thing is, is it doesn't really serve us from an evolutionary perspective. No. It, like, you don't procreate, you're not going to eat, it's not going to give you shelter, yeah. all these different things, but it is so personal to every human being, and it translates across each and every culture. Yeah, music is just an essential part of uh, being a human being. Right. And there's something magical about it. Yeah. Um, actually, when I'm, write, I'm writing uh, something... That music plays a big part because, I mean, we're talking about movies here, but if we're talking about music, there's something you have to. I don't think people even or people are taking it for granted what it even is because it's one of those weird mysteries. Is why is it that acoustic waves in the air have an effect on the way we feel to the point where it's so profound? Right. Like there's something going on there right. that we haven't really looked at. It's like what is this? Where I can just make a sound and it has the power to change the whole room. I mean, the whole, pretty much the whole society. I mean, we've all listened to really great music and we all know what music does to us, right? Like, what is that? 
And when you look at it, it's just sound waves. But why is sound have why does sound have that much power? That's a pretty profound question for us to wrap it up on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One last anyway. thing. What do you think about Mr. Trump being impeached? <laughs> you think it will manage to materialize to I, I, we hope it does? I don't want to turn this into another hour, but I think it's probably one of the biggest wastes of time I've ever seen. You don't think it's going to... Well, what's the point of doing it when you know you, you can't remove the guy from office? Right, and that's, that's the thing which is kind of frustrating because just to have, oh, we impeached him. Well, if you don't actually have him leave, it's just... It's a stain on the record, but nothing more. I'm not a partisan, but I have no idea what the end game here for the Democrats is. It just seems to be pointless. Well, especially when you consider the fact that every argument they made yesterday uh, was to just simply argue, okay, um, we're going to talk about everything but his admitting to it. The Republicans just kept talking about every other subject. And when it gets to the point where it will be officiated, they're just going to say, yeah, no, we're not going to. It's it's quite, like I said, just watching it is just, it's been one of the most bizarre spectacles I've ever seen. And then how it's going to end, you know how it's going to end in the House, I mean, in the Senate. So what was the whole point? Like, somehow this is going to stain him. I mean, you've, <laughs> nothing sticks on the dude. Like, I don't, this is not, uh, who this is is going to impress, I don't know. But it's, to me, like I said, the whole thing has seems like a bizarre spectacle well we can keep our fingers crossed that it does make it somewhere four more years baby <laughs> just think about it disclaimer bowl is joking four we, no we, i'm not joking no i'm not uh, four more this guy look you think yeah you think i bet you the democrats will, will, will dominate some bozo and this guy will win another second term that's my prediction right there my prediction is bowler better be wrong <laughs> I'm telling you, four more years, baby. <laughs> yeah. But he's saying four more years, not in the sense that he's. A I'm Trump. not. I'm he's not, not a supporter. I'm not a supporter. I'm just. Okay, telling, stress that. I'm, I'm just telling to... you where the wind is blowing right now. Fair for enough. Because I, I don't want our brand in any way to be associated. No, I'm not wearing a MAGA hat while recording this podcast. No, and then we're not going to go and re- sort of find Jesus again and put out a bloody album about that, and then just say, "Well, we wore a MAGA hat because you know I want the right to." Jesus and Trump. Sorry, Mr. West. It's a great Love synergy. your previous stuff. But no, I'm right now. I'm I'm writing the treatment for the Trump movie, and I think who should we who should who should score it? Ooh. you know, I'm thinking it should be some sort of horror film with with science fiction. So it's like maybe Danny Elfman and and Hans Zimmer. Get them two together. Uh, I'd say Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Mm. Interesting. All right, people. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another Broken English Films podcast. Much, much appreciated. And as you know, more to come. And until next time, keep watching. <laughs> or sorry, keep listening. Every fucking time. It's a movie metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Done. <laughs>